your joy matters. Like your liberation matters. Your pleasure matters. And it is your birthright um, to access mm -hmm. that. And I think when people begin to access that, they actually get really scared because it's very powerful and you can feel the power. Hey there, this is Pussy Empowered Podcast and I'm your host, Alyssa Aparicio. I'm equal parts Bronx bitch and mountain witch. I believe that when you untame your pussy, you access your power. As the CEO of Pussy Empowered, I hold space for women to do this with a holistic approach that incorporates mind, body, emotion, and spirit. As an erotic performer and choreographer, I surrender to new heights of embodied, expressed art and performance. On this podcast, I share about my approach to pussy power and interview fellow paradigm-shifting badasses about theirs. Okay, here comes another badass. Her name is Kayla Hill. And we have a shared love of freedom, pleasure, and a lifestyle of various passions, including various lovers. Let's dive right in because we've got a lot to say. Kayla, I want to introduce you. You are a freedom doula and a receptivity alchemist. And there's one more amazing title, pleasure activist. And yes. you guide your uh, clients to deeper liberation. I would love if you tell me a little bit more about that in, in your own words, because that is such a magical title and such a magical role in this world. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm really into freedom <laughs> and I'm really into liberation and I'm really into birth. And so as like a doula, or I should say transition or transformation. And I think mm -hmm. as a doula, um, I was a postpartum doula for a number of years. And then I transitioned to this work. And um, to me, the understanding of, of doula ship is one that witnesses, supports and guides another through a transitional process, um, whether that's birth or death or a rite of passage, doesn't really matter. Um, you are a support in that. And so I witness people, I sit with people one-on-one, -on -one, um, over Zoom, online, um, and I help support them towards um, greater depth of liberation, but also um, um, kind of like being that threshold that like, threshold crosser to witness like leaving one aspect and shifting into new paradigms of freedom and so and that looks different for everyone you know my liberation is not your liberation um but we all we all need to get free so and we're not free until everyone's free so I'm here mm -hmm. to support support that that is so freaking powerful yeah. so I love that I mean I I love and honor how important mentors and guides are on these journeys because when we just look around at the status quo you know it's hard to forge your own path when you don't see anybody else doing it and when you don't even know how, where to start so with someone like you who gets to just be there to support and nourish and and I imagine to validate someone's desires that they're some of their desires that are so um sometimes desires can be so scary because we don't know what's on the other side of 
even taking steps towards it or uh, the pro what, what it's going to feel like when we're there and to have somebody to guide and support is so powerful. And so thank you for, for doing that work in the world. It's such a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful gift. Mm. And yes, you're welcome. <laughs> yes. So I know that um, something that we've talked a lot about, because it's been an area of interest for me as I've been embarking in a transition of um, non monogamy, of opening my relationship is that you work often with clients around this as well. This is one of the things that clients come to you with and that it's something that you also have been living in your life. And I would love to talk about, to talk about this topic with you. So um, I don't even know where to start with that, but kind of, I would love to hear a little bit about maybe your journey and um, have you always been in an open relationship or what has that been like for you um, coming to the place of, of deciding that that's what you want? Yeah. So I haven't, um, I haven't always identified as polyamorous. Um, I never really, <laughs> never really thought I needed an identification because I, um, yeah, just never thought that I needed that, but I did assume kind of the status quo liberation oh they're saying your video is blurred okay mm -hmm. yeah i don't know I wonder why um <clears throat> it might come back it might come back to okay us. let me know if it does but <laughs> okay, sorry to interrupt you're slowly you're slowly coming back to me actually okay. right now Ooh, it's like <laughs> um but yeah i um i started um really kind of interacting with well, in my personal journey, um, I am bisexual, and I've known that for at least a decade now, um, and been like actively engaged in my bisexuality. Um, but it wasn't until about two, two and a half years ago that um, I started dating a couple um, that is open, and um, I started dating both of them actually because I'm bisexual. It was a heterosexual couple that I started dating. Um, and it was so natural. It was like the most natural thing that I've ever done. I was like, Oh, okay. And it reminded me of like when I started dating women as well. And I remember being like, this is so natural. Like mm. this is not hard. Like this is maybe the easiest thing I've ever done. And the same thing happened when I started dating this couple and I started to realize that my sexuality went beyond um, my bisexuality and now into this polyamorous world. But also my relating has always been kind of polyamorous, like even prior to the, you know, added like sexual endeavors, like I realized I'm a people person, I'm a lover, I'm someone who wants to get to know and get to be with as many people as I possibly can. Mm -hmm. And that's just a natural state for me. I mean, I'm a Gemini rising Libra moon, Aries sun to a T. <laughs> like mm -hmm. that's just my nature. And so it was like coming home. I actually was just telling my friend this right now. I was like, it was like coming home for me um, when I started practicing as a, as a solo poly, as, as we call it in the polyamorous world, but yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's how it happened. Oh, it's so powerful because it, what I'm hearing you say is that you 
we, we kind of default into this world of monogamy and we mm -hmm. think that anything else has to be really hard mm -hmm. like climbing uphill but i'm hearing yeah. you say that when you accepted that for yourself it was like ease actually yeah. it actually was the opposite for me like monogamy was never easy for me it was actually mm. really hard i had i was monogamous through my tw all my 20s and long term um relationships and i it was a, it was challenging for me yeah mm. Mm -hmm. that really resonates with me a lot and because i'm finding that um, you know, finding this process to be really easy, the opening process. And it was really hard for me to deny that, that that's what I wanted for a long time. Um, it was hard for me to, and I think some of the things, there was just like a lot of guilt around it in terms of um, guilt and fear in terms of I, I want to say like out of out of respect and love for my partner. So I've been in a monogamous relationship for about seven years. And I have always known, I think, since I was a kid, I didn't see like, marriage and kids in my future. I never saw that in my mind's eye, in my third eye, right? And, um, but then I found myself in monogamous relationship, but only, I've only been in two, really. This is, one has been because I fell in love and I'm still in love. We're still madly in love. And it's like realizing though, that there is a part of myself that has been like, wait a second, what are we doing here? This wasn't your plan necessarily. Right. And it's taken me a while to um, just out of respect and love for the, for what I do have. There's like this feeling that has been a little bit telling me, you know, that it's selfish. And I've worked through that around many other desires. Um, in turn, like, I mean, I fucking love liberation too, like freedom. I'm all <laughs> yes. about freedom. So, you know, I've been practicing in other areas of my life, that feeling of selfishness and like having this and sitting with that and working through that in many other areas. And I think I've finally um, come to this area this area of my life and my relationship where I'm like, okay, I can, I can now look myself in the eye and really know 100% this is what I want, what I've wanted and be honest with myself. I think it requires um, a lot of honest, honesty for sure. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. The truth will set you free. <laughs> mm -hmm. I wonder what some other kind of um, fears that you hear a lot or I don't know if that's what we want to talk about. Do you want to talk about? Well, well, yeah, I can talk about that. I mean, I think that we're, we're highly conditioned. The reason I say freedom doula and pleasure activist. Okay. So there's the freedom doula and then there's a the pleasure activist piece, which comes from Adrienne Marie Brown's um, <clears throat> work, uh, mm -hmm. pleasure activism, the politics of feeling good, you know, and, it's like we are so highly conditioned to deny ourselves our, the birthright of our joy, the birthright of our desires and our satiation and satisfaction. And, you know, it's like they've created this 
these moral ethics, like there's been these moral ethics culturally created in the collective paradigm that we find ourselves in around pleasure and around the liberation of our pleasure. And I think especially, you know, as women of people of color, um, you know, definitely denied access um, to our joy. And it's like our your joy matters, like your liberation matters, your pleasure matters. And it is your birthright um, to access mm -hmm. that. And I think when people begin to access that, they actually get really scared because it's very powerful and you mm -hmm. can feel the power. And not only is it powerful, but it's also, um, it's also piercing the veil of oppression and dismantling systemic toxic, um, you know, re repression of, of human beings. And so it's unlocking our humanness in that moment when we start to say yes to our pleasure and to our desires and, and be free in them and be honest about them and to live them out and embody them. So it's mm. a practice and I think that pace is really important when we're doing this work, like to go at a pace that feels really trustworthy um, is, is really important. Mm, that's beautiful. I think that requires a lot of self-awareness and um, self-trust. Um, and yeah, and yeah, support, right? Which is why you offer what you do to be um, a source yeah. of support. Before we continue this conversation, I want to let you know about the offering I have upcoming. If you're in the Los Angeles area, the next round of Pussy Empowered Performance Series begins on September 8th. That's 2022. It's a 10-week class that culminates in a performance at the next Pussy Empowered Party on November 12th. Head to pussyempowered.com slash performance class to learn more and book a free call with me to discuss the details. This experience is so much fun and has been described as life-changing by the women who have joined in. Okay, let's get back into it. So I think that something that you're touching on here too is that when we think about what we're calling in, what we desire, we're afraid of what we're going to lose in the process. And we rarely put our, or it takes a while sometimes to put our attention on what we're going to gain and what the potential is for once we cross that threshold versus, um, you know, clinging to the known because there's the uncomfortable of what we know. And then there's the uncomfortable going into the unknown. And to me, it's yes. so painful to sit in the, in the knowing that you want something, but not taking steps towards it. It's so much more painful to me than confronting what you confront on the journey, because I'd rather know I'm confronting it in the process of getting freer than just sitting back and letting life steamroll over me. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Um, and when you do that long-term, you get sick. Mm -hmm. It just, the toxicity builds in your system and it, stays in your body and it doesn't become regenerative space when you hold on like that mm. um and um you know i think a, another important thing around 
kind of stepping into unknown spaces. So the mind, the mind is really good at calculating um, and assessing risk. Okay. And so all of that calculation and assessment is based on past experience. When you're stepping into a new place that you've never been before, a future that you've never existed in, and you're stepping into that new paradigm, your mind's not going to be able to calculate what it's going to gain because it has no data collection, right? Mm. And so you really can't use the mind as much as we want to use the body. And so we want to listen to the body. Ooh. This is an embodiment practice. <laughs> <laughs> so conversation is like so tingly. It's so yeah. good. <laughs> yes. Liberation is an embodiment. Mm. Um, liberation is a movement that moves through your entire body. Um, and it's about tapping into that movement, that conversation, that embodied um, pull so to say, um, and learning to trust um, the skills and capacities of our embodied selves, not just our cognitive intellectual selves. I love the mind. I'm such a dork. I'm such a nerd. I love reading. I love research, all of it. And um, it's the embodiment practices that have really brought me to a place of regeneration that I didn't know was possible and resourcedness mm -hmm. as well. Mm, yes you're speaking my language here uh <laughs> the language <laughs> of the language of bringing it back to the body is you know <sighs> I'm so passionate about this and you know I've noticed the difference and we talked about this the difference in my body since saying yes to this deeper desire of um of opening my relationship of basically like opening myself to more interactions with men with male energy with like opening like turn just opening up where I can direct my sexual energy mm -hmm. um yeah. and I'm noticing on a cellular level that my body feels different uh, yeah. that I have more energy <laughs> more creativity there's just so much flow happening in my life right now it's mm -hmm. absurd <laughs> mm -hmm. and exciting yeah. and it's like yeah I'm realizing how much weight I was carrying with the idea that I can't have what I want yep in my body yep yeah and that's liberation right and that's your liberation and I think it's important too to say that like you know, non-monogamy and polyamory isn't everyone's liberation, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I don't think that's what we're saying here. Um, no. But I'm an example, and you're an example of how it, it, it has been a liberation for us. And it can be a liberation for, for people. And I remember for myself, the same sensations um, of like, lightness, opening, um, mm -hmm. so much more energy, um, kind of, it was like, it was like I was sitting in an embodied truth of my sexuality and of my sexual expression for the, maybe the first time, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. even in, in, in discovering and unraveling my bisexuality, like coming into play shop and deep, partnership and relational experiencing and intimacy in polyamory has shifted 
everything for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's really like for me right now, there's no going back. Um, you know, and that's been that's been a challenge of its own. You know, when you test the status quo like we're doing, um, especially like I'm doing as a solo woman, um, it makes dating very interesting because <laughs> um, mm. I'm piercing a lot of um, veils um, and I'm also disrupting a lot of the conditioning and even though so many people can get down with it again in that cognitive way. Um, I'd say that like a lot of the people that I date or go on first dates with have a really hard time embodying what I am practicing and that's okay. Like our, you know, we're all in different places, but I will say like the liberation doesn't come from me getting what I want always. Cause I don't always get what I want, especially when it involves another person and there's mm. consent and there's sovereignty. Um, mm. but I'm speaking my truth and living my truth. And that is everything. Like that's been everything mm. regardless of the outcome. <laughs> yes. Yes. That is so powerful. I'm so happy you said that because that is something that I'm in- immediately witnessing in myself, the need, the importance of self, um, I guess, self-intimacy. It's already a huge part of my practice, but the ability to stay in integrity with myself in conversation with myself, supporting myself, and because that is the primary relationship here (laughs) for me, right? Like, I mean, and of course, my partner and being honest and communicative with him and and careful and loving and respectful and all of these things. Um, but with also with myself, because if I don't have that, I mean, I can just really feel the difference too between, um, between, I guess me and the last time I was <laughs> interacting with different men, uh, like in this way. And just understanding that I've changed so much in terms of how rooted I am in myself um, which I always think is just kind of the primary focus that we that we need to cultivate in the first place in order to hold space for anything like that we're diving into career wise or relationship wise anything like that needs our relationship with self needs to be so sturdy um, and and yeah I guess it's it's been an interesting interesting um and really exciting to feel how like my capacity to hold myself is very strong, sturdy, yeah. and and um, I don't know. Shout out to shout out to the work that I've been doing with myself yes. and the work that I know you've been doing with yourself. Yes. Uh-huh. Well, it has to be. I mean, Her- you know, Harriet Tubman had to free herself first before she could come back and get everyone else. You know, <laughs> like um, we we must we must do the self inquiry. And one of my teachers used to say, you know, intimacy into me, I see, you know, and it really is this, this depth of, of self inquiry and self development kind of practice. I mean, you have to be really solid in your sovereignty and knowing, I think in order to um, live into um, polyamory in an ethical way, in a way that is, um, 
uh, stepping into like a love ethic um, and a care ethic um, that really regards everyone and everything. Um, and it's just, it's a critical piece to it functioning well and being supportive of expansion. Um, mm -hmm. And I've had many, you know, I've had many um, people come and go, right? Like, again, like, it, it, it's not like mm -hmm. I'm, you know, like, there's hundreds of people waiting to, like, really participate with this in me. And, like, there's a lot of stabilization that has to happen mm -hmm. in order for someone to carry space like this. And so I've prioritized that for myself, especially over the last four years. Um, and just moving to Costa Rica, launching my business, you know, all the things that I've done for my own self-healing have put me in a place to really enter polyamory from a really stabilized position. Mm. Um, and I think you also mentioned just like the number of conversations. Um, so I think that there is preparatory work. I think that there's... Um, you know, divine timing and alignment and opening up. Um, and what that looks like for people is, is their own unique journey. Um, mm -hmm. And sitting with people in that space is so fun. Like I love helping people in this way because it's just really a, an opening. You know, I also call myself a receptivity alchemist. And that's really about, you know, transforming um, some of the blocks that we might have to receiving what we want and mm. turning them into gold, right? Turning, turning those blocks into gold and shining that gold out into the world so that we can receive what we really know we are mm. and um, come to know that gold to be true for ourselves. And so it's just really fun to play with all of it. And I think something that's a curiosity to me recently is like, you know, is polyamory a, polyamory a choice or is it of, of my nature? Mm, and yes. let's talk about that. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's so interesting. I really think for, for me, it's both and, and I'm really about the both and. Anyway, um, I think that it's very conscious. It's very much a conscious choice which I believe liberation is anyway <laughs> like mm. we have to claim our agency around it for it to actually happen I don't think anyone's just going to like hand you your freedom um like you really have to choose it for yourself and then mm. um I do think it's of my nature like now that I look back like you're saying like when you look back at how you were as a kid like oh my god I wanted to flirt and play with everyone on the playground I was just like hey hey, hey. <laughs> like, yeah like, real talk hey. like super <laughs> social like and I really see for me polyamory is is really like uh relationship anarchy like I'm actually Ooh. like equalizing all of my relations as one in the same and not placing hierarchy or categorization on any of them. So even my platonic mm. friends and um, intimate personal relationships that aren't sexual, I call them my lovers. Mm. <laughs> like I've been starting to call everyone my lover, regardless oh, of that. whether we're having sex or not. Um, 
because mm -hmm. you know the sexualization sexualization of love is like mm -hmm. another issue something i have another issue with and there are actually asexual polyamorous people um mm -hmm. and so to respect them as well and those people that uh live amongst us and get very much unrecognized and uncategorized, right? Like, oh, if it's not sexual, it's it's not an important relationship. It, they're mm -hmm. they're not really your partner, et cetera, et cetera. You know, I call bullshit, and so on that bullshit, I'm just like equalizing the whole entire thing, and everyone's my lover. So, Alyssa, you're my lover now. Oh, I'm so honored. <laughs> <laughs> of course, the Spice Girl lyric popped into my head, like, if you want to be my lover. You gotta get yeah, with my friends. <laughs> I will always bring the Spice Girls in anytime I can. <laughs> yes. Well, I feel so honored for that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's something that's interesting. Um, like the nature versus nurture thing, right? Um, mm -hmm. I remember hearing, and I didn't read the book myself, but actually my partner told me this. And I don't have the exact words, but I'm going to summarize, right? In the book Sex at Dawn, which is yes. that anthropological look at sexual human sexuality, um, I guess there was a part where they talk about how the the female um, moan is so exciting for for male. It's like attracted male partners because mm -hmm. uh, one was not enough to satisfy, and like when in a communal living situation there wasn't a necessarily uh, ownership of a child. Like a child didn't belong to one man. It like belonged to the community. Um, and that was really interesting to me. And I didn't read the book again. I just remember that fact just kind of stuck out in my head. And, um, or like, even if it's more of a myth than a fact, I don't really know what to call it because I didn't read it. Um, but just like the idea that we're just so, we're just so, convinced uh brainwashed uh, mm -hmm. to think that condition to think that but there's also, just one way yeah and also it's it to me it's the trauma of the dismantling of the village so you know mm. in post-colonial time um we are experiencing the repercussions of the divide and conquer right so mm. those reper repercussions of separating the village and putting us into basically our, our support system as the nuclear family. Right. And so when that happens, it stresses people out because we are a highly social dynamic species that needs each other. We're very interdependent. Um, so when we do that to ourselves, um, we create a lot of stress receptors um, and we go into survival. And so we don't think about <laughs> the things that we think about when we're in rest digest mode, which is like pleasure and creativity and like openness. And so a lot of this work like also has to do with like dismantling and healing intergenerational trauma um, collective trauma and remembering that we are safe to be with each other. Like mm. it's safe for us to hold each other. It's safe for us to trust each other beyond the nuclear family and into the village again, mm. into the world, into the collective space. Um, 
And so I heard this word the other day, like instead of microaggressions, like we've heard, you can hear that term, you know, microaggression in the social justice world, where we can start doing um, micro compassions, mm -hmm. um, which is like these small ways that we show compassion and love towards each other. And so, like I said before, as a polyamorous person, I don't really see it as a definition of my sexuality, as much as I see it as a definition of my um, approach to life <laughs> mm -hmm. is that I love multiple things and people and places and I love wherever I go. Mm -hmm. Yes, micro compassions. And, you know, it's like, can we spread these little love drops wherever we go, right? Mm -hmm. And And how can that actually recreate and restructure a paradigm that is more loving, more caring, and more embodied for all mm. of us. You know, li mm, let's so liberate good. everyone while we're at it, right? It's like, this isn't just yeah. about me getting mine. Like, it is about me getting mine. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. But it's not mm -hmm. just about me getting mine. Because in order for me to get mine, you have to get yours. And they mm. have to get theirs. Because we're interdependent. And when people are... Uh, when people are left out of that equation, um, we do ourselves a disservice and we do the entire collective a disservice. So yeah, it's like the more the merrier all around. Mm. <laughs> That's so beautiful. Such a beautiful, beautiful perspective. And mm. I think um, <sighs> such a beautiful perspective. It really reminds me of a conversation that I have with had with Parrish Blair, who's uh, I don't know if you're familiar with her. She's a sex goddess and she teaches orgasmic gratitude meditation. And um, I had an interview with her a couple weeks back and something that she said, because she works a lot with men and she works with healing the wound uh, around, um, I guess, the idea of like, if we want to, she sees a lot in the female empowerment sphere or the woman's empowerment sphere. And I'm using a lot of like woman versus man language here, but um, I guess I also mean masculine and feminine energy, even though that, even that, that term, I'm like, I'm looking for a new term. I know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm looking for new words here, but I don't uh, have them yet. No, so I'm going like, to use these the for now. Is such an illusion. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. But uh, in order to express what I'm trying to express here, the idea that like in, in women's empowerment sphere, there's a lot of talk about like men ain't shit, right? Yeah. Like, and her invitation to me, which was uh, even at that time, even like a couple, a couple months, I think ago, um, her invitation was just, you know, can we, can we speak more and validate more of the good that men are doing in our lives, in the world? Can we call in? Can we hold a vision of a reality where we understand that there's good men out there and that there's a possibility for, for healing here? And uh, even at the time, it was like really hard for me to digest what she said. I was like, damn, can I do that? <laughs> <laughs> can I do that like, I don't even know you know in, in in reflection of like the trauma that I've experienced and I've witnessed women around me experience but I also recognize that it's not about the individual <sighs> there's agency here right like I yeah. think that these that everyone needs to take responsibility for their actions and um decisions and there's also like there's a 
there's a collective disease here, right? That we all have to be a part of healing. And her, that conversation was a catalyst too, for me to really look at how I've been holding these, um, how I've been like reactive in, in, in situations with, with men before I even had a chance to, I don't know, choose another way. Yeah. Um, so that's been really interesting. <laughs> yeah. Really interesting yeah. and freeing. Yeah. Yeah. You have to, you have to feel it to free it. You know, that, mm. that saying you have to feel it to free it. And I think your reactivity is, is, is logical, right? Like it's mm. based on, you know, a collective paradigm of, of patriarchy and misogyny for that's been in our waters um, for a long time. So yeah. it's, it's understandable that that's your reaction. And now this is why going back again to the internal work, mm -hmm. right? The internal inquiry and self-development practice and the grounding into self is so critical because that charge of, of volition, of, of, of like violence and abuse that has like is intergenerational and like spread through your DNA as a woman, mm -hmm. like has to be felt, has to be released, has to be discharged. Yeah. Right. And it can only be discharged in an embodiment that is stable, that mm. is secure, that is rooted in self and can mm. self-actualize in that way and take full responsibility, claim full responsibility for their lives to free themselves, right? For us to free ourselves, we must hold a responsiveness Right. And so instead of reactivity, we're moving to responsiveness. Mm, and yeah. I think in that responsiveness or responsibility, the ability to respond is where we're going to find the magic of healing, the magic of intimacy work, um, our ability to be in space, in trigger and charge and high activation and know what we require, know what the boundaries and delineations are and be really clear about what our needs are in those moments so that we can feel them to free them and we can walk through those barriers together. Mm. Yeah. Damn, I'm just like your words, your way with words and your <laughs> ability to speak such profound wisdom is so, mm. so exciting and, and fun. <laughs> so thank you for sharing all of this wisdom. I love your distinction between reactivity and responsiveness. Because, wow, I mean, like, responsiveness is being able to to draw on your power when you need it, right? Like, yeah. in a moment when you're face-to-face -face mm -hmm. with someone who is trying to cross a boundary or something like that, responsiveness is being able to, ha, like, no, you know? Hold it. To be yes. able to, to react with, uh, react with your use your voice to use your body to protect yourself or to um to state your truth in any situation um and not only in a in like a negative light but in a positive light too to be able to say yes to something when you want it um or versus you know the reactivity which is like some there's a default there's an autopilot that's taking over and is making the decisions for you that you're not even maybe aware of, right? That's kind of like the distinction yeah. I'm hearing here, um, which is so powerful. Yeah, like it happened to me this morning. <laughs> mm. Like I, I, I was with a, with a lover yesterday and um, 
we had a pretty charged conversation and you know there like from my perspective there was a lot of male dominance and misogyny coming from him and i woke up so angry at him like i was just like oh and then you know i sat with it you know and i sat with that feeling and i let it run through me and then i sat mm. with like what am i really angry about because it's not it's not him <laughs> it's mm. not him as a singular individual I'm angry at the collective systemic oppression <laughs> that is patriarchy and misogyny and that runs through, it runs through the system. Like it, mm. it's so heavily embedded. Um, it's so heavily yeah. embedded. And that's what I'm, that's what I'm angry at. Um, more so than this particular person, right? Or this particular mm. individual um, that has also been conditioned as a man in a culture um, of patriarchy and misogyny, right? So mm. like we have to see the ways that we've internalized it. We have to see the ways that other people have internalized it depending on their social orientation, it's different for all of us, depending on where we stand socially in these dynamics, um, and really um, adjust and respond um, accordingly, you know, in respect and care and understanding of this deep, mm. deep thread line of trauma, essentially, mm. that we collectively carry as a whole species. And mm. so I never want to um, disengage with anyone. I want to stay engaged with everyone. Um, but there are delineations and there are boundaries that are important in safeguarding um, the transformation um, and the process of healing that mm. is capable when we do that right so this is where the pace is so important and i look for the places where i can slow down so when i get supercharged and heated um, around any sort of intimacy issue i always look to where can i slow down mm. interesting yeah that's mm. uh, that's a, such a high level of self-awareness and presence that's required mm. for you to have this conversation with yourself and um, mm -hmm. and I also like to, I also like to validate the feeling of that rage, right? Like I will go into a full roar, like I will drop to my knees and do an embodiment practice where I really embody that fucking rage and wildfire feeling because I know that there's a place and a power in it. And I also am a big believer in like a sacred smackdown. If you need to tell somebody to themselves yes. and you need to tell somebody what they are, you know, you know, yes. tell somebody <laughs> what oh, they yeah. need to hear. I'm, not, I'm not here to perpetuate abuse by any means. Yeah, I know um, that. Mm -hmm. And the conversation that we were having was by no means abusive in my perspective. Um, it was to rec mm. recognize the elicitation of charge that this particular topic was bringing up in me. I think mm. was really conducive to my understanding around more so collective trauma than the individual experience that I was having with this particular man. Yeah. Now that was my experience. You mm -hmm. can claim 
you can claim a anyone can claim abuse when they feel when they feel that they've been abused like that is not for me to say or categorize in any way it's for the Mm. individual to really claim for themselves where they feel like things have been violated um, Mm. and rightfully so and definitely speak up against that bullshit (laughs) yeah yeah yes yeah I think the Cali energy the like rage energy is something that we um that is powerful as well and it's like something to navigate right whether when to enact that and and when to trust just to trust yourself to know (laughs) when to enact that and when to take the step back and 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 process but I mean both are important at different times they're both tools in our tool belt that I think yeah are powerful and what I love about what this talk has led us to is like these are all skill sets and capacities Mm. that one would have to learn if you're engaging in (laughs) non-monogamy yeah (laughs) like all of this applies so people are probably like wait I thought we were talking about non-monogamy and it's like yeah we are (laughs) yeah we are yeah it's interesting how right I mean these are all things that we always had I mean, through all of time, we have access to our intuition, to all of these reins of emotions. And it's just kind of um, reorienting ourselves with those, nourishing the soil of ourselves so that we can make choices from our own internal moral compass, from our own sovereignty and, um, and, making the choice in the relationship is no exception. It's, it's also a practice that these are also skills and practices and rituals required to make any choice that is outside of the norm. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Our, our relationships are activism. A hundred percent. Yeah. Wow. Well, I'm just so titillated by our conversation. <laughs> Yes. I don't know what other word to use. I mean, I love talking with you uh, one-on-one and I'm so happy we got to have this conversation in public because I think a lot of people are really going to resonate and, and anyone here who has resonated, throw up some hearts so so Kayla can feel the love here. Um, and I would love to know, you know, if you can share how we can find you and what you offer and if there's anything you, that you'd like us to know about. Yeah, so you can find me here on Instagram, Kayla.Hill. My website is www.inpleasurewetrust.com. Yeah, I'm I'm re I'm creating a pleasure economy. So <laughs> instead of in God we trust, it's in pleasure we trust on the yes. on the currency. <laughs> I love that. Um, so look forward to that. And um, yeah, I work one-on-one with clients in in great, deep, liberating ways. Um, and I teach a group course twice a year called The 10 Keys to Receiving Love for people to get a taste and a flavor around just opening up to love and opening up to your capacity to really receive um, mm whatever it is that you desire. Um, so yeah, those are the things I, I have in my wheelhouse right now. So amazing. So mm-hmm. cool. I'm so happy that you're doing what you're doing in the world. It is mm-hmm. such um, 
it is so liberating to witness that you claim this for yourself, this path for yourself. And I know how much you are impacting and changing the lives of everyone you encounter. So thank you for being you. Mm. I'm so happy the universe brought us together. I know. It's so special, yummy and delicious and like Mm -hmm. such a great addition to the buffet of love that Mm. I have in my life and you are just mm, 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 mm. yum, yum, yum. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. It's making me blush. I love you so much. (laughs) So what did this conversation bring up for you? Feel free to DM me on Instagram at sensual underscore radiance to share your thoughts and stay connected because I continue to share pussy empowered content there every damn day. I'd also love if you take a moment to help spread the legs. Okay, I mean the message of pussy power by writing a review or sharing this episode with a friend. And you can get on my email list with the link in the description where I send weekly updates about all the virtual and in-person classes, performances, and other offerings coming up. I also send playlists, new self-produced choreography videos, and other fun things. PussyEmpowered.com is my website, so check that out. And here's a reminder that the next round of Pussy Empowered Performance Classes begins on September 8th in Los Angeles. And after 10 weeks, culminates in a performance at the next Pussy Empowered Party on November 12th, also in Los Angeles. And I'm planning a Pussy Empowered Puerto Rico retreat for spring 2023, so stay tuned.